Hello and welcome to the Revenue for Change podcast. Small Mice 9 have teamed up with Ecology for a podcast series like no other. It all formed from a few conversations with Dennis from Ecology. Adam and Dennis shared a single idea, net zero is an opportunity and not a threat. Net zero isn't a technology problem, it's a marketing problem. People don't understand the benefits to be gained from this massive change that's coming our way. At any other point in the history where there's been massive infrastructure change, people have made money. Think the industrial revolution, the consumer revolution, or the digital revolution. Also huge changes in society, infrastructure, and how businesses grew. And businesses grew out the back of them. Net zero is this next revolution, and to get people involved, they need to know where they can make money and how to grow their business. On Revenue for Change, we will be speaking to business owners who are leading the way and growing their business because of their net zero work and not in spite of it. Let's get stuck in. Hello everyone and welcome to Revenue for Change. My name is Adam Bastock and I'm the founder of Small Life 9 and we help small businesses take their first steps with climate action. Hi everyone, my name is Dennis Hetema. I'm the head of sales at Ecology where we make climate action simple and Revenue for Change is all about how can you change your climate action from a cost center into a revenue driver and is that a good thing? I think that's a really good point. And this is what this, this entire series is about, really, is, is finding business owners who have seen the opportunity here and really taken action on the opportunity and are growing because of their climate action and, and really just see, just what's the word? Grabbing the bull by the horns. And they're really, they're really seeing the opportunity here. So that's what this is all about, to get stuck in, meet them and give you practical advice on how you can also do the same. Excellent. Today, uh, we're joined by Bob Garner from Casal del Fici. I always say it wrong. An amazing entrepreneur who, who runs a, a small boutique hotel in Italy. It's really interesting speaking to, to Bob and the, and the podcast. It, it's a really good one, I think, and a really great one to start with because it hit so many of the key points and the, 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 the challenges, but also the opportunities and solutions that they've seen at the back of this. So um, over to Bob and let's get stuck in. Bob, please give us a quick background on your business, what you're doing and what you've done to become more sustainable. Hi. Thanks for the invite. It's great to be here. So yeah, me and my uh, partner moved here to Italy 15 years ago. We were living in the city and got tired of our sort of corporate lives. And so we came here for a different lifestyle uh, and a different challenge. And so we bought an old farmhouse and converted it into six environmentally sustainable apartments. And so we've been running these holiday apartments for the last sort of 14 years. Environmental sustainability was always at the core of everything that we did from day one. But of course, I always say to everybody about this topic is we're all on a journey. We're all on a learning curve. Nobody is the total expert and we're still learning as we go along. But we found that environmental sustainability has really worked for our business, both in terms of repeat business and attracting new guests and actually for the bottom line as well so for us environmental sustainability is really important because we believe in it but it's also good for our guests and it's good for the planet so for us it's a core part of what we do and if you slice casaldi fiki through in half it'll be like a stick of blackpool rock you'll see environmental sustainability at every point in our organization so at every touch point You'll see it from the internal guides, from the website, from the communication. It's all about that because we're passionate about it and we're trying to encourage our guests and the wider community to be passionate about it too. Cool. That's so cool. I've got a few questions around that. When you were, when you were making the the jump to do this, I'm, I'm guessing you did like liquidity prognosis, business plans and all that kind of stuff. 
And quite often, cost is, is the thing that you're afraid of, right? Like your, your revenue is questionable, but your cost is certain. And so how did you, how did you deal with the, the, the perceived cost or actual cost of taking a climate action approach instead of a just go for maximum revenue approach? Yeah, I mean, of course, opening a business like this is always scary when you've been working for 25 years and you're used to a regular income coming into your bank account every month. And then you've just got this certain asset. You've, you buy this property. It's derelict. You've got to renovate it. The renovation costs are never always exactly as you anticipate they're going to be with the best business case and the best spreadsheet and the best planning. We both worked in business and in planning, so we were used to thinking about those contingencies and the critical path so that none of that came new to us but you're absolutely right of course we could have cut corners we could have done it differently and not had environmental sustainability at the core but it's something we believe in and we believed in then it wasn't so prominent then but it was still really important and we knew it was going to become more and more important so for us it was a no-brainer because we wouldn't want to have done it without being environmentally sustainable, but also from a business sense, we knew that that would become a bigger and bigger issue moving forward. And, and we can see from the consumer stats coming forward every year that that is starting to be realized and will be so more and more as we move forward. People are connecting the dots between what they're hearing and seeing on the news in terms of what's happening with the climate emergency and what they need to do in their day-to-day -day lives. And in their day-to-day -day lives, part of that is going on holiday. And you don't just, you know, forget all your environmental principles and your best practice when you go on holiday and just go back to being the person who does nothing. A lot of people continue to do that. And, and that's what we want to encourage them to do and to do more. So uh, mm -hmm. for us, it's about att attracting that client base, which is growing, but also educating the people who are not aware of that topic which are, of course, many, many people and educating them in that process so that when they go home after a stay with us, they've learned about some of the best practice, some of the good ideas that they can translate into their day to day lives when they return home. Very cool. Uh, do you see a change in your your guests, like the demographics and, and the psychographics of your guests from when you started to now? Yeah, absolutely. So when we started, of course, we've built up the environmental sustainability year on year. So obviously now it's a much more complete package. We've got over 25 different initiatives that we're involved in as our business. But on day one, we only maybe had five. And most of our guests, if not all of our guests, were coming to us because they liked the location, they liked the look of the apartments, they liked the proposition that we were offering them and the price we were offering them. But what's changed, and it's a great question, what's changed over the years, is now more and more people are coming to us because we are environmentally friendly, because we've got an electric car charger, because we've got solar panels, because we don't use plastic, because we plant trees, because we encourage guests to do this and this and this. And they're hearing about it, they're reading about it. We're not shy in promoting it, you know. We get a lot of PR, a lot of press, a lot of media on this topic, and that's great for business. And so we're absolutely going to capitalise that on that but we are seeing more and more people coming to us because we are environmentally friendly. That's absolutely true. Sorry, just jump in with another question there. It'd be good to unpack that growth a little bit because I know you mentioned that when you started the business 15 years ago, you, you saw this, this coming essentially and you planned for that. 
How has that changed in the past kind of five to 10 years? Have you really seen a, a growth in your inquiries from that? How, how has that growth manifested? I th- I th- yeah, I think the last five years has really been the change and the last two or three years even more, more so. Because people, are obviously, as I was saying, are starting to connect the dots and, not dots and understand what they need to do and the role that they need to play. So we have more people coming to us now who are saying, OK, I, I had a choice between you and, and this other business. The price was the same. The offering was the same. It was in the same location. The only real difference that was that you were offering this environmental sustainability component. And that's what swung us to take the apartment with you rather than with the opposition, so to speak, or with a competitor. And so that's obviously for us a great sign that people are, are registering that they're coming to us for that particular reason. I think what we're also seeing a lot is that when people haven't necessarily come to us for that reason, or even if they have sometimes, they go away. And and of course, in our business, reviews are really important. So the review of their stay through TripAdvisor or Google or Booking.com are really crucial to us. Um, And we have a great review. And a lot of the reviews now, most of the reviews now will comment on our environmental sustainability. So people might say, I came to you because you had this and it's really important to me. And I drive an electric car and I've gone home really satisfied of what you've offered me. And that's been fantastic. Others have come knowing very little, but have then reviewed going home saying, I learned some stuff. I've now bought the, the, the machine in the kitchen for making Uh, sparkling water so I don't have to buy water in plastic bottles or I've started my vegetable patch or I'm I'm now trying to switch to a green energy supplier whatever the topic might be and they've learned that from us and they've put that in the review and that's a a great reaffirmation of, of what we're trying to do which is educate them but not in and this is really really important I think not in a preachy or, 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 or hectoring way. It has to be done gently. It has to be done carefully. You have to let them see that it's a great way to do things as good as, if not better than what they were doing before. And, and that's really important. that They come to it in their own time, in their own way. You know, we don't sit down with them and give them a 20-minute lecture <laughs> on environmental sustainability. That ain't going to get you anywhere. You have to let them come to it. And, and that happens organically over the time that they're with us and afterwards as well. Cool. How do you, how do you allocate the costs for your climate action? I mean, a, a certain amount, of, of course, is just infrastructural, like stuff you write off and stuff like that. But your ongoing tree planting, was that, is that your marketing budget? Do you have a, sp- a special budget for it? How do you, how do you, yeah, how, how yeah. do you one, bookkeep for it? And how do you, two, make sure that you see a return of investment on it? Yeah, great question. We would call it cost of sales. So, you know, we get most of our bookings direct. We don't use many of the OTAs, the online travel agents. We did in the early days. But we have a 60% return rate of guests, which in our community is very high. In our industry, it's very high. We get a lot of referrals. We get a lot through our press media and and through the awards we've won and our website. So we're not reliant on those external um, markets so very much. And that's really important to us. So for us, we can afford to, rather than giving commission to booking.com, let's say, we can use our resources to finance some of our initiatives. So one of the ones that's been most successful has been our our Treedom Ecology Scheme, 
which is where we negotiated with local restaurants to give a, a discount to our guests when they went to, to eat there for lunch or for dinner. Uh, we produced these materials, which we left in the apartments for guests to read about it with an indication of which restaurants they could go to. They go and eat there. It costs them nothing. They're going to go there anyway. They get a discount. They bring the discount back to us. You know, it might be 10 euros or 20 euros. We double it, which is our contribution. And then we use that money to plant trees. So the guest has had that feeling that they've made a difference and it's cost them zero. All they've done is go out to that restaurant. It's the restaurant that have financed it and we have financed it. But the guest goes home with a lovely feeling that they've done something ecological. They've done something good on their holiday. And that's a great, a great feeling because we have to remember what's what's really happening now is travellers consumers are starting to feel a little bit of guilt, a little bit of self-consciousness about going on holiday, about flying. Of course, they still want to do it. Of course, tourism is really important, but they're starting to think, how can I do it in a more sustainable way? So that's one way that we help them. And obviously, we've also moved on from that now and set up a carbon offset scheme. So we now add a discretionary uh, amount to their booking. We, again, we double it if they pay it. And again, we use that to plant trees. It isn't calculated to be exactly for each person. We've had to average it out per booking. But again, it's a way of a guest understanding that they can make a difference and that they feel a little bit better about coming on holiday and flying or driving. And what's really interesting in the 18 months since we've done it, we have had zero guests say, I don't want to pay that supplement. Nobody has ever said it. So that indicates to us that there's an appetite for it. There's a, a, a feeling of comfort about it and that, and that we should do more of it. And so, so next year, we're going to up the rate and we're going to do more of what, of what seems to be working. So for wow. us, it's good and for the planet too, I hope. Love it. I'm afraid of jumping in, Adam, because I feel like I'm grabbing all the questions, but I think it's so interesting. I was going to say that Bob's answered quite a lot of my questions already, because the next one's going to be on collaboration, and it sounds like you're doing that with restaurants already. Which is, I, is, I, could is, say, is, I could say a little bit more about collaboration, actually. If, if yeah. that's okay. I think yeah. one thing we've also moved on to do now in terms of collaboration is now only work with companies who are also doing their bit. Brilliant. So in terms of suppliers. So, for instance... You know, we use Splosh, which is a household cleaning product company where they send you the dry ingredients, you rehydrate them and you continue to use the same bottles. So you don't throw that plastic bottle away every time. Um, and that's obviously really visible to the guests as well, because they're using that hand soap. They're using the, the cleaning products in the kitchen. We use companies like uh, Who Gives a Crap, the toilet paper company. And obviously that's really good. It's very visual. Um, it's very jokey. And again, I've lost count of the number of guests who've gone home and then ordered that toilet paper for them. But importantly, we use a company called Jerry and they have a water bottle a metal water bottle which we give to the guests when they arrive and that is another symbol of encouraging them to not buy plastic but use this metal water bottle which of course is branded so that they take it home with them and they take it to the beach with them but what's fundamental with these companies is they all give some of their profits away to help other communities so for instance like Jerry and who give a crap both spend millions every year building toilets in the developing world for people who don't have toilets. So when we're now working with companies, we're looking 
we're saying to them, let me see your environmental standards. What are you doing? How are you giving back to the community? And if you're not, well, bye bye. There are other people who are doing that. We'll work with them. So it's another way of creating some pressure in the industry. Of course, we're tiny. We're a very, very, very small organization, just six apartments. But it's a gesture. And if more people did it, then you can put pressure on these companies to adapt and change and make a difference, which I think is really important. I read this amazing quote on LinkedIn by, uh, I think it was Ed Chin from Ernst Young who, who wrote it. it, was, if you, if you think that uh, small cannot disrupt big, you've never tried to go to sleep with a mosquito around you, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and I think, that, you know, that, so I think what you're doing is fantastic, Bob. I mean, that's exactly the way it should be done. I have two questions around that. One is how do you decide whether the action of a supplier is good enough, right? Like where, at what point do they pass the, pass the test for you? And two, do you encounter any pushback from what I like to call climate extremists on like, oh, you're not planting in the right way or offsets don't work or, you know, that kind of stuff. And how do you deal with that? And I, the reason why I'm bunching those two questions together is because in, when you're selecting your suppliers, you're the, in between quotation marks, climate extremists, of course, you have your own benchmark set. And then I'm also keen to see how your customers benchmark you. Yep. Yeah, good. I would like to say it's a great sophisticated model that we have for, for working with suppliers, but that would be untrue. I, I guess really it's just about seeing that they're doing some stuff. And when I say doing some stuff, it also has to be public on their website. They can't just give me some, some, some uh, spiel and get away with it. I need, I need to see stuff on website. If, if an organization is committed to making a difference, then there's going to be a tab, there's going to be a point on their website where they can point me to. And if there isn't, then I don't, I don't accept what they say. So I guess that's one of my filters that I, I would use, really. And of course, like all of us, they're on a journey and they're developing and they're moving forward. So that's, that I, I appreciate that and I understand it. On the point of pushback, I do a lot of work with Tourism Declares. I'm, I'm an outreach coordinator for Tourism Declares, which is an, a voluntary organization. Nobody gets paid. We all do it for, for the purpose of helping the planet. And the idea of, of Tourism Declares is to galvanize everybody in the tourism sector to start to make a difference, to start to measure their carbon footprint, to reduce their emissions by 50% by 2030, to start to put pressure on their suppliers and on their peers and everybody in organizations that are working in tourism. So because we need everybody, not just countries and huge companies, we need every organization, every small organization, however small you are, and we're really small, to get involved and commit to do something. So when people would, if people were to say to me, well, you're not doing enough or you could do more, I, I say, Absolutely. Of course, I, we can all do more, but let's not just judge people on exactly what they're doing now. Let's also judge them on, on the plans and the ambitions that they have. And actually, I'm not finding many people who are saying to me, I'm not doing enough, because I, I think we, in practice, I think we are doing quite a lot. But I do, through my Tourism Declares outreach work, I talk to hosts, to property managers every single day about what are they doing and how they could get involved and what they could do to make a difference. And that's hard work because most people are so busy just trying to keep their head above water. They're finding it very difficult to think about making a difference in terms of the climate emergency. 
they're confused about what steps to take and when to take them and they're confused about how to measure their carbon footprint so one of my roles is to 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 get through all that fog and help them find the road so that they can a become a member of tourism declare so that we can grow our organization but b set them up on this path to being a, a greener organization and I always say to them, it doesn't matter if you're taking some baby steps, you know, just, you know, switch to a green energy supplier, you know, think about how you can talk to your guests about plastic, put in LED lights in your, in your holiday homes. These simple steps will not only be good for you, they'll be good for the planet and also for the guest. And often they will save you money. So I try to find the sort of low-hanging fruit when I'm talking to people. And to be honest, it's the stuff that I did first because... Why not go for the easy stuff first that you can make a difference with that you don't have to sweat over and get to the slightly more complicated things further down the line when you've built your confidence and your competence and your awareness. Cool. You've been, you've been in business now for 15 years, right? So yeah. can you remember what easy stuff you started with? Yeah, we dug a well for water. We did solar panels on the roof because the house was being renovated. So it may make sense to put them on at the time. We switched to eliminating plastic. And what else did we do? Oh, and of course, we did the, the cleaning products in the home so that we don't have to keep switching out the plastic and they, they're, they're transported with, on low carbon because they need to be rehydrated when you collect them. So some of those things, we, I think, were probably some of the earliest things we did. Yeah. Cool. What color? Digging a well Digging. and solar panels sounds quite expensive, to be honest. That must have been... Were those the most challenging decisions or was that just your principles that you knew you were going to do that no matter what? Well, in fact, the, the, the original solar panels were the thermal solar panels, the old fashioned type that heat the water, because 15 years ago, we had a quote for 50,000 euros to put in uh, PV panels. And we did not have 50,000 euros to do that. Obviously, the price has come down massively since then. So our, our original solar panels were thermal. And obviously, that was a, a cheaper way of starting. But it was enough to provide hot water for each of the apartments and for us and to heat the swimming pool. So, you know, that was, that was still good. Cool. That's brilliant. You know, I, was, I was going to say something similar. I'm not sure I'd go for dig a well as the first easy option to go for, but I think that, that shows how you have taken this entire thing to the core of your business and it really has built that resilience in there. Are there any, is there any advice that you'd give to, to the kind of new entrepreneurs or new business owners who are coming to this journey and the opportunities that are here, both within this sector, but also? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I would say to them is be brave take chances of course you have to measure those chances and 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 obviously mitigate the risks involved but don't try not to overthink it because sometimes you will just end up doing nothing yeah. eventually you do the analysis you, you do the the planning but then you just have to take a leap and go for it and if you try and think of every single thing that could go wrong and every option and every factor you'll probably just move into inertia and not actually do anything the other thing i would say is that you know, we found very much a virtuous circle in our business, and I see no re reason why it shouldn't apply in other businesses, is that when you start to take some steps, you get some really great positive feedback. For us, it's people coming back to stay again, or reviewing us, or referring us to somebody. 
these are all really good positive things. So for us, and I say this on, on every interview I do, it's like a drug. Environmental sustainability is really like a drug. You take some steps, you get some really positive feedback, it works, you make some money on the bottom line, which is obviously important and fantastic. And then you go, oh yeah, I like this, this is really good. Let's take some more steps. So then you, you do some more environmental steps and then you get, in our case, you'll get an award or you'll get some great uh, publicity through newspapers or TV and then you get more business. And so like someone described it the other day is a bit like eating potato chips. You know, you, you just can't stop because they're so Moorish and they're so delicious. It's like that with environmental sustainability, or it is for us. You take some steps, you see that it works, you're getting that positive feedback. And so you take the next step and it's a virtuous circle. And it goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage people to think about in, in their business, what those steps might be that would create that virtuous circle so that you're getting that reinforcing message back which encourages you to do do more because of course if you're if you're not getting those encouraging um, motivating messages back you might get disillusioned you might get off the road you might get off the off the running track you need to stay focused and thinking about what all those steps might be is a really great way of keeping yourself energized and motivated to take the, the next wonderful green action. I think, I think that's uh, wonderful. I, I often compare climate action to training for a marathon without getting any feedback. And that's if you're, if you're an individual, right? Like imagine running, running yourself crazy, working out, eating healthy and never getting any feedback whether you're actually going to be making that marathon. And so that feedback loop is, I think, extremely important. I think that the benefit for as an entrepreneur is that you can just look at your bottom line. You can look at how your customers are re responding, right? So it's, you can do so much more than, than just, you know, switching energy provider and, and stop using plastic, but you can actually influence people. If a new entrepreneur were to start and, you know, in a, in a bed and breakfast, a small scale hotel approach, what are like the top three steps that you would recommend? Like resources, I guess tourism declares is probably going to be one of them. But, you know, like what, what tr three would you suggest? Okay, have at least a look at these things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what's important is that you do stuff and that you talk about it. And obviously we need to differentiate between greenwashing where you talk about it, but you don't do it and green hushing where you do stuff and don't talk about it. You need to be doing stuff and talking about it. And that, that, that's really crucial. Yes, join Tourism Declares, because what you're doing through Tourism Declares is you're holding up your hand to say, I know there's a problem and I want to be part of the solution. And the crucial thing with Tourism Declares is you don't need to know any of the answers. At the point of declaration, you're simply saying, I want to make a difference. You don't have to know the answers. You do not even have to know the questions to ask. All you need to do is be committed to getting involved and developing a climate action plan over the following 12 months so that you can get your carbon emissions down by 50% by 2030 as a minimum. So I think that's really important. I think also what's important is, as I was saying before, do some quick wins. So do some things, some of the things I've already talked about uh, that work in your business, in your area, where you can make a difference quickly. And you know, the green tariff is, 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 this, is this such easy, low hanging fruit. You phone up your supplier, you say, I wanna to move to a green tariff. They say, yes, you can do that. If they say no, you switch to another supplier. It's an email, it's a conversation. It's not a big deal. 
and most people don't switch their tariffs. It's one of those things that people almost never change throughout their lives. And it's one of the easiest things to do. And then you can start to talk about that. I would also, you know, do some easy stuff like make sure you've got green hosting, you know, so that your host is, is run on green energy and you can badge that. You can go to a website and get the badge so you can put on your website as we have on ours to say that you're green hosted and that can make a difference. And then, of course, is, is start to do some proactive things. Plant some trees. If you can't plant them on your ground, then go through a company like Ecology, uh, like one of the other organisations, and, and start to plant trees. Not that trees are the total solution. They are part of a package of actions which need to also include reducing your emissions. Planting trees, as we all know, is not the total solution, but it, it's part of the solution, and it should be considered as that. And, and if you can engage your clients, your customers, your guests, your peers, your supporters, whoever your base is in that process and engage them, then that is really important too, because you can magnify your effects. One of the issues for my organization is Casal de Fiki. We're very small. We have six apartments. We just see a couple of hundred people a year. And we can try and make a difference for those couple of hundred people. That's not enough for me. So what I do is spend a lot of time through my peer group, which is holiday rentals, vacation rentals, doing podcasts, doing interviews, doing presentations, because that's one of the ways I can get out to a much wider community. I can reach tens of thousands of people that way and hopefully try to influence a few of them each week as, as we go along. So again, I would say to a new entrepreneur, if you're in a situation to do that, then do that. Engage your community, wherever your community is, whoever they are, talk to them and, and try and find allies and supporters along the way that can help you. You can help them. And then it's much easier. You're not, you know, treading that path all on your own. Find support and, and, and do it with other people. It's much more enjoyable that way. I really love that. And the way that you kind of said that there's, you know, the impact that you can make on your own business, but then also, sorry, there's the control over your own business. And then there's the impact you can have on other people's businesses and the, how you can collaborate with them to have a better experience for everyone involved from a customer point of view, from the restaurant point of view, and from a supplier point of view as well. It's benefiting everyone. This isn't an, an additional cost that you have to, to kind of endure. It's really an opportunity for everyone. And I think that's, it's so great hearing you explain that in such practical terms as well. Are there any other questions that you've got, Dennis? Well, no, I'm uh, really inspired by your story, Bob. I think it's fantastic what you're doing. I, well, I actually have uh, one more question because you, you mentioned uh, Who Gives a Crap and, and Jerry and these others. What, what channels do you use to find these solutions to your problems? Are you just, okay, I need some sort of supplier and you start Googling or are there any channels that you take as a first step? to to get some inspiration uh, yeah I, I i do i usually just google it i just think okay we want to switch out this product or this service and i just google it and sometimes there are some feed sites that help you because somebody's written a blog or they've done a review of the top 10 of this product or whatever but yeah i i just come up with the idea that i want to change the supplier and then i google and look for who can who can give me an alternative i'm also a member of a number of quite a lot of networks in my industry where we share ideas and experiences and talk about things often not related to uh, environmental sustainability just related to running businesses like ours so there's always other people out there 
who've had the experience and who've got the knowledge. So I'm a great one in not reinventing the wheel. If somebody's already gone through that factor, reviewed a service, reviewed a product, taken a step on that on the green journey, then hey, don't reinvent the wheel. Just take the best elements that they've got, thank them for it, and copy it. And you know, credit them if you need to credit them, but but just don't don't. We're all busy. We don't have time to do everything. So just find the best people who've already done it and, and copy it. I do, I do that all the time. Cool. I, I think that's, uh, you know, it's also a call for companies that are providers who are taking care of the planet to just really do not skimp on your SEO, right? Because I think that 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 most, most people who want to take climate action don't have a, well, there's several resources, central resources, but as an entrepreneur, you, you have so many different touch points. And I think that in climate action, SEO is disproportionately important because it's still such an emerging thing that's bubbling up, right? So search is probably higher volume than, than most other channels. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. And speaking of SEO, where can we find more about you, Bob? And where can we, can, when, and when can we come and stay, I think is the most important question. <laughs> well, you, you'll find me at castaldefiki.com. I guess you'll put a note in the show notes to that. You'll find all my, my major activity through LinkedIn. So you'll see me blogging, posting, writing on, on LinkedIn pretty much every day. So find me at Bob Garner at LinkedIn. And that's where you can connect with me. If people need advice or support, I'm very happy to get involved. You know, I just want to see more people, particularly in my industry, but in every industry, doing something more on this journey because we've really got to galvanize everybody to do something. And if every single business or an organization, big and small, plays their part, it becomes much easier. We, we all move forward and, and we can make such a difference. So there are so many challenges for all businesses, but I think this is one. It was a really, really big one. And I don't think people yet realize how big it's going to be and the impact it will have on their business. So get in now and do something before your competitors do and get an advantage. <laughs> Great, great closer for revenue, uh, revenue for change uh, in my book. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Bob. I uh, really appreciate it. 